Hello and welcome to KIOS at the Movies. I'm your host, Joshua LeBure, and today I'm joined by filmmaker Kit Zahar to discuss her film, Actual People. So are you also a sophomore? No, Riley's really old. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to graduate in like, in like a week, actually. Holy shit. Yeah. Are you scared? Like, absolutely terrified. What's post-grad looking like? I remember you as a freshman. You were so vibrant and talkative. And I, I just hate to see the stupid adult stuff beat you down. I'm not, I'm not beaten down. Are you okay? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing here? Drinking. It just feels like every person I talk to is like, Oh, I'm going to grad school, post-grad, or I'm going to work at this online magazine, or this, I don't know, this startup, and I'm just doing, like, absolutely nothing. waiting for real life to begin. This isn't real life. I hope it's not. When I was participating in the Slamdance Film Festival a few months ago, I wasn't sure what kind of films to expect, as it was my first time participating in this festival. And what I found was a collection of films that restored my faith in independent cinema and the DIY aesthetic that made me fall in love with cinema and want to become a filmmaker in the first place. And one of those films is Actual People by newcomer Kit Zahar. Writer-director Zahar also stars in this film with confidence as Riley, an uncomfortable human being who's having a horrible last week of college. She goes through breakups, awkward relationships, struggles with motivation and depression, and there's also weird body stuff and everything that comes with being in your early 20s and trying to figure out what your life and next steps are. As we get older, Life and society continuously wants us to change, but for some of us, we see society as a kind of sick and broken place, so that makes us want to go inward. This can be detrimental, and for Riley it often is, but this film doesn't judge her, and it's incredibly empathetic towards her. We're always talking about how movies are going away, how young people just want TikTok, but actual people is proof that there is a future for independent cinema. I loved this film so much that I had to reach out to the filmmaker, Kit Zahar, to speak about her film. I think what I wanted to do first and foremost was like just make a feature film. Many have made the connection to actual people and its resemblance of a DIY independent film movement from the mid-aughts that has since been dubbed Mumblecore. I was curious if Kit had this on her mind while making this film. It's really the only way that my film career could kind of progress in a way that felt substantial and meaningful and just have trajectory. And so, you know, I knew no one was going to give me money for the film. I mean, I do love like mumblecore and like independent, like American indies, but I think I look towards those more as like the method of how to make a film, like how to make a film for cheap, as opposed to like taking from 
the narrative tradition. Her real takeaway from those films was the DIY attitudes, making a personal and compelling film with little resources. But I was also interested with playing with the, in playing with the tropes of mumblecore and sort of turning those on its head. Like, I think obviously most of mumblecore is made by like nerdy white guys. Um, and that's fine. I like nerdy white guys. They're, you they had their place in in society and culture. But, you know, some things that I thought always thought were kind of funny were like, you know, they always get like this super hot, interesting girl to like fall in love with them. There's often a lot of like, I don't know, of like really white spaces. Like, um, you know, they'll just like constantly be at parties where it's like not a single person of color, which is like maybe that's true to their experience, but obviously not to mine. So I wanted to also play with some tropes of like what mumblecore was and sort of the word my uh, an interviewer used was resuscitate mumblecore a bit. So yeah, that's kind of the direction I went in. And as an independent filmmaker myself, I'm always curious about how much of themselves the filmmaker is putting into the work. Well, I mean, obviously a lot of people assume the film is like based on my real life, um, but I, you know, I, a word that people use a lot in um, in literature right now is like autofiction, like to describe like, you know, Sheila Hetty or like Rachel Cusk. Um, and, you know, those are, I, th- I like to call them, you know, narratives that flirt with the author's reality um, or like day-to-day existence. And so I think it's kind of similar for me, but like, I mean, basically I did have like a really terrible, like crazy last week of college where there was like, and you know, with well, while retelling that story to people, I did realize there was sort of like an interesting narrative there. Um, I didn't really know yet how to get it fully there yet, but I could feel sort of the narrative potential. So I kind of used the like foundation of that week for like the basis of actual people and then like worked off of that. Um, but then I think a lot of it was just like, an amalgamation of creating obstacles and experiences that I like thought were interesting or wanted to like play with. I mean, there's like a bit about like race in the film that I was trying to, that is more of like a synthesis of a lot of different little things that have happened to me throughout my life. Um, So yeah, I think it was a lot about taking that narrative foundation then like kind of building it up, building obstacles, like, even, yeah, think of it like as me building a little obstacle course after getting the initial idea down. One of the things I love about this film is that regardless of our differences in age and background, the feelings and the stories are universal. Well, and I think that's also something I am interested in within my filmmaking. Like, I really kind of uh, cringe at this, like, notion that a film about people of color has to be this, like, extremely exoticized and, like, niche thing. Like, I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm sorry, I live in Chinatown, New York, so it's a bit noisy. Um, But like, you know, I'm like a person of color, but like, it's not like I'm, I mean, I experience a few things differently than other people, but it's not like I walk through life feeling like an alien, you know, or something. And I think that's something I, I always want to play with is just like, the I mean the idea of just people of color existing like they do in everyday life and I think that's also why I love shows like Insecure which is like obviously 
is informed by by a, an experience that is not white yet you know the fabric of the day-to-day world is very tangible I think to anyone um yeah so I think that's something that I yeah I hope to keep working on in my films I was curious about her experience premiering the film especially this being her first feature and it being done on a micro budget I don't you like you know it's this is like very corny to say but like you know, getting into Locarno really was life-changing. I mean, I wanted to premiere at a bigger European festival because I just thought it would help maybe in the future with like co-productions and getting financing overseas for my films. And then also just because I I, uh, I love a lot of the films I premiered specifically at Locarno. So, um, but getting in was really quite, life-changing it just sort of gave me that like unfortunately you know unfortunately a lot of like what people like about like what people look for in filmmakers is less so about actual vision and voice and is more so about like accolades so to have that accolade just like helps me get my foot in the door a lot quicker to a lot of more institutions and with a lot more people and just the experience of premiering there was like fantastic I think it's like a really well-run fun and interesting festival um and so yeah that whole experience was really great and just allowed me to like it kind of jump-started this year of like traveling a lot and getting to meet a lot of interesting people and just screen my film in a lot of great places so right before i interviewed kit actual people got picked up by one of my favorite independent distributors called factory 25 you know the Press releases and everything come much later than the actual news. So I think I knew I was going to get Factory 25 for like four or five months now. I have a lot of friends who have had movies with Matt Grady at Factory 25. And so it was kind of like something I always thought of as a possibility. I mean, obviously Matt didn't like hadn't seen the film yet, but I have a lot of friends who've made movies with Factory 25. And so, yeah, once we met up, it felt just like the right fit. And uh, Factory 25 handles... Europe like north like all of North America and Europe and like other territories but then um this other distribution company uh Parallax is handling Asian distribution and they're like they're like really an amazing uh both production company and like distribution company and uh I would they were like the first people to reach out to me from Locarno um, and they're like mostly like uh, an Asian woman run company. So it's been really cool getting to work with them as well. Since this is a podcast and radio show for film nerds, I really wanted to dive into some of Kit's influences. Who are the filmmakers that inspire her as a filmmaker herself? Yeah, well, okay. So my favorite, like one of my favorite films, which like people weirdly balk at is young adult the diablo cody movie i have to second this opinion because this film is criminally underrated i love this film yeah also something i always look for in movies and i don't know if this i mean this is not like the right thing to do i think i i think you should and i do like approach cinema also as like an like a once in a lifetime experience but like there is something about when a movie is like incredibly rewatchable that i find just like you know, part of like an expertise of writing and filmmaking. So like, that's kind of like, I have more like, yeah, like, so that's a huge movie that I I just like love and rewatch a lot and find consistent like joy and also sadness. And I, you know, I love Hong Sang-soo. 
Miranda July, I think is another one that I, I feel very drawn to. Um, Elaine May. Um, I mean, I love like Lena Dunham's Tiny Furniture. I think that's also like a very special film for me as well as Girls, the show. Um, and um, I do like a lot of Ruben Ostlin's earlier work as well. Um, yeah, I think those are some of, yeah, the people that I feel sort of drawn towards. And then, but then, you know, I, I watch, I feel like I'm, I mean, I don't watch as many movies as some other people, but I feel like I'm constantly just kind of trying to watch interesting things, often like, you know, female directors if I can. Oh yeah, like Eliza Hitman. I always like kind of forget to mention her because I also, she was also an old professor. So there's, yeah, but she, I found, her, I find all her work extremely, um, yeah, interesting, obviously rooted in the tradition, but also very fresh and new and exploring like sexuality in, in incredibly interesting ways. Yeah. When I see films, I love to take away my own impressions. I don't like a film to tell me what to think. And this film definitely doesn't. But I was curious what Zahar wanted people to take away from the experience of watching this film. I mean, I don't know if there's anything like specific that I, you know, I, 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 I don't really love morals and within art but um or like lessons even I mean I think honestly my a lot of my work is about people who do not change that's actually what my boyfriend was saying my boyfriend was like you're like all your films are about people who desperately need to change but like don't I mean I think I just want to show a certain like value or like I don't know um trait of humanity reflected in my work which I think is like a sort of the internal the internal resilience, regardless of of exterior factors, right? Like, you know, to be unchanging is both stubborn, but, and like, maybe sometimes cowardly, but there's also like, I think there is a resilience in it. But I think also I just want to see, like, I just want people to feel like their experiences are reflected in a way that feels like artful and meaningful and empathetic. Actual People will be released soon from Factory 25. For KIOS, I'm Joshua LeBure.